0: Welcome to the LA podcast, everyone. We are switching things up, changing some things up on the show this week. We are happy to have you, excited to be here with you. But your boy just wanted to get something to the heart of things right from the get go. He's feeling a little fired up, feeling a little uh, what the kids would call hurt. My feelings are hurt. My heart is hurting. It's been a tough week. Mental health has been rough um, because y'all are on one. This past week, we thought we'd you know release an episode on a Thursday. Nice short week, and. Y'all just went off. Everyone was on one. People really taking some time out of their schedule to let us know how they really feel about myself and Reg, mainly me. And, you know, my heart, my heart was hurting, you know. And so what we're going to do is to gotta be super vulnerable and let you know that these comments really affect my life and actually affect how I live day to day. I want to highlight the top three ones for me just to let these people know specifically that they really, really got to me on this one. And I just want to express, A, my sorrow, my apologies, um, that I'm so bad and terrible. And so uh, we're going to start off with the first one that actually wasn't even directed to anything on any of our accounts. This one came from Jennifer's account. And it was an individual who loves Jennifer. Don't we all? We all love Jennifer. And he was not stoked that he was jo- she was joining up with us. And he really wanted to let her know this specifically, that he said, This comes from a gentleman named Dorkalpuss with two S's. You are very good. Your content's phenomenal. If you had a podcast, it would also be phenomenal. Teaming up with those guys is a terrible idea because they suck. Suck? Dude, getting personal over here. We're doing our best out here, trying our hardest, trying to live our best lives. And just to tell us that we suck? I know we're not greatest but i think we we do a decent job over here we try our best every week we have thousands and thousands of people who listen to us every week do we really suck that one just hurt my feelings man i have to admit but what i also wanted to say was you shut your mouth fatty go come out there and slap the herpes off your lips next one this one was equally very personal I think this person really understood and knew that we lived in Nova Scotia because they made sure to add a themed comment to this one. And it was based on it was our com- our video on TikTok about the Senate proposing a bill and yada, yada, yada. We all know which one it was, the censorship bill around adult content. And this person talked about how we should... They wished this podcast would find a slippery slope and just disappear into the ocean. And to that, I was like, you might be onto something. Brian Ryan... After the show, actually, today, we're going to take a drive down the highway here, go down to Peggy's Cove, hop on the Black Rocks, and just simply slip into the ocean is our plan. And uh, the fact you're wishing death on us was something else. Very interesting. Don't know how I felt about that one, but I definitely went out and really had a nice, strong look at myself in the mirror. Really, what else I really had to say is... Shut up, bitch! That's really what I actually have to say about that. Last but not least, last but not least, this one, this man took a time out to go to our Instagram, go to a post that had like two comments on it to really make sure his paragraph was read by us. So it meant the world that he took time out of his schedule to tell us these things. And he says that, been listening to y'all for about two years since the show was more business focused and loved when y'all took the turn into politics. But over the last few months, it's gotten pretty hard to listen to. It feels like the show went from an, um, an objective, almost centrist view. However, now the Trudeau hatred seems to be blinding y'all. Don't get me wrong, I hate Trudeau as much as the next guy, but from mocking and making fun of liberal voters who haven't seen the light yet to entertaining literal great reset conspiracy theories, the show has gone completely off the rails. And for that reason, it's goodbye. For now, I hope. And uh, this one probably got hit me the deepest, Reg, if I'm being honest. I went for a walk with Kelsey. I presented this comment to her and um, wanted to let her know that, like, gee, I think, I think I'm going to end the show on that note. Like, the fact this Finnemore is feeling the way he's feeling, I'm like, you know what? Maybe the show has gone off the rails. Maybe we just suck. It really got me thinking. And really, Finnemore, I think his name's Ryan, really thank you for taking the time out letting us know what you think, but also...
1: It doesn't matter what you think!
0: Last but not least, anyone else who wants to comment on our stuff, we're really not going to take much more time This is going to be like a once every moon. I might do something like this because I might see how I'm feeling that day. And really, if I'm being honest, we really got a few people who are like, please, we've been seeing these comments. Please address them on the show. We'd love to see a mean tweet segment. And who am I saying? It was like only four people brought this up. But hey, it gave me an idea. And the the reason why we don't do this very often is because we genuinely don't really care. About what you have to say about us, we're doing our best, trying our best. As so we said at the end of our show last week, trying to live the dream. People saying we uh, we used to be centrist. If I'm being honest, since Reg came on the show, I don't think we we're more center than we were when me and Dalton were doing the show. So I uh, don't know where that came from. It's very interesting, but we are going to leave it at that. So if you don't like us, you don't like what we do. Well, we got two words for you:
2: suck it. Innovation is in our veins, soon the whole world will know our names,
1: sharing our knowledge and freedom reign, we here for the people, you know it's our way, setting foundations is part of the dream, it doesn't matter if you're new to the game, listen up now, cause we all gon' say, elevate, 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 higher, elevate, 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 higher, we gon' rise up. Shine. work stay on the grind. elevate, elevate, this
0: is our time, elevate, elevate. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, everyone. It's so great to have you all on one more time. It's your boy, Josh. And the excellent Sir Reginald IV. Oh, we're getting fancy <laughs> up in here. We are grateful to have you on with us. It's a show we got to get into a lot of different things, getting into corporate tax structures, poly yeah, of upsetting the conservative base. Um, we are going to be talking about no spring election looks like it's coming and people are getting relatively depressed over it. And I I get it, but we'll get into it. Um, There's so much to get into today. And I hope that you enjoyed that first little bit that was only actually available to our audio only listeners. Or if you're on Spotify, you'll be able to see the video there. We're not releasing this one. On, we're not releasing that segment on YouTube. So we don't know what you're talking about. Go over the audio version and you can hear us rip on our, cons- our commenters who seem to really hate us. Like they really took time with their schedules this week. So uh, it was interesting. Uh, and it wasn't just us. We were seeing other people's, com uh, other creators who... The comments were just on fire last week. I don't know what was going on or what people were going through. <laughs> I, obviously, I'm not taking it personal because it wasn't us. Uh, it wasn't just us. It was just a lot. It, it was, it was, it was hot. You, you guys suck. I hate you guys. Why are you? <laughs> that, weird. It was weird timing. I don't, I don't know how you, you felt the same way, but it, it was a weird week last week.
3: Yeah, it's, it's funny because I actually did see a lot of comments on a couple of different creators that I follow, and they're all negative, negative. and then I went out for uh, a couple of drinks and some pizza last night with a couple of guys from the hockey team, and they were all talking about how they were fighting with their spouses last week, and it just seemed like last week was a hard week for everyone. I don't know if, like, like you said, if people were just like super excited about the thought of a, an election coming, and then it all got dashed with, <laughs> with what happened, which we'll talk about after, but... People were not having a good week. And uh, it's so funny because one of the comments that was brought up, I actually I actually looked into that and I was like, man, did one of the comments said basically that we were bashing liberals. And I was like, I didn't think we did that. I went back and listened to our episode twice. So two of our views are, are for me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was just like, where, where did that come from? Like, where was that? And I was like, maybe if you construed it a little bit in one part, I was like, yeah, but like... Honestly, I, I went back and was like, I think this one's a little unfounded. But hey, what can you do? Yeah. I mean, we all interpreted everything a little bit differently. And like I said last week, people were not having a good time. I wasn't having a good time. I ended up having a fight with my wife, and uh, we ended up resolving it by the end of the week. We're That's all good. good
0: to all good to go again. But it was a it was a week. Yeah, people were feeling a, a little sensitive, and I don't know if it was just you know the the, the fallout and turmoil of valentine's day week i don't know what it was i think so <laughs> it was it was a rough one dude it was it was definitely it was a really weird and i was kind of cracking up honestly going through it got to a point i only have to do this every so often but like last week was the week for it that i just shut it all down i'm like i don't want to see anything else i don't want to read anything else people the negativity was not to an 11 last week and i didn't really know how to feel about it but lots going on we want to kind of keep things light keep things going keep the good times vibe in here video came up on our tiktok accounts this past week and uh yep yeah, it was done by fox but it was the idea of the premise of the video was hilarious they went into brooklyn no, sorry, not brooklyn um oh yeah it was brooklyn yeah, yeah. they went into brooklyn to just talk about to the community of how they're going to be getting $25 million from the federal government. And the community was ecstatic to be finally getting some money from this federal government and down in the States. They had so many dreams of what they're going to do with the money. And uh, yeah, well, uh, we'll take a look here at what they had to say.
4: Joe Biden's given this neighborhood $25 million. Ah! Oh, Whoa, $25 million. Wow.
2: What the hell? Are you serious? Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> USA, USA! What do you think
4: it should be spent on? The schools, the parks.
1: The illegal immigration problem, fresh fruits,
4: uh, vegetables. This is life. That elevator over there, broken. These houses, dirty.
2: Recreation for the kids to get out the street.
4: Well, sorry. He's spending it all so you could charge your electric scooter. <laughs> get the out of here, Joe.
2: <laughs> I don't like that. That's ghetto. What's?
4: <laughs> mm. He's spending it on charges? Man, they need to charge his brain.
3: I had to take the top of my head off a couple of times
4: times. <laughs> See if I had a brain. Biden says once he installs these chargers for electric scooters, there will be less racism.
2: How does that... Equal less racism.
4: Come on, you're kidding me. There's no racism here.
2: There's actually more racism that he's doing this because
1: it's really not helping the community. I don't see the correlation, but I also don't see the correlation between Joe Biden and being president. <laughs> I don't know who put that mother f- in office, but it wasn't me. So you don't like him?
0: Oh, what a good video. That I, I really cracked me up. I kept uh, kept my, uh, my positive juices going last week. Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty
3: funny because I just love that they're like, Actually, putting forward really, really good ideas. Like mm-hmm. They're talking about food insecurity. They're talking about recreation um, facilities. They're talking about education. Talking about all the things that really money should go into. And then you have like the Green New Deal kind of spending, and they're all like, "What?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dude, <laughs> it's so good.
3: Like you said, like it is Fox News, so they're going to carve it up and cut it to, to serve
0: their base. But it was, it was a good laugh. Absolutely, it was, it was pretty spot on, and it did crack me up just to see the. the the reactions. I don't know how genuine the reactions were. I don't know if it was like that was their first reaction or they take a couple takes. Regardless, hilarious. The the brother with the headband <laughs> says this guy needs to get a charger for his brain. <laughs> Cracked me up. So good. So good. But um, moving on to more serious notes. Uh, things going on in this country. Well, first off, we got two big things happen. But conservatives were on one last. Well, at this point, it would have been last night, Saturday, that we're recording on a Sunday here. Uh, so over the weekend, Pierre came out uh, in a very Justin Trudeau-esque type tweet, and we'll get into kind of the fallout of it and what it could mean for politics in general, but Pierre Polyev uh, said here in a tweet, it's been two years since Ukraine woke up to the evil of an unprovoked full-scale invasion from Vladimir Putin. With unshakable resolve and determination, Ukrainian people have fought back, they haven't give up. given up, and neither will we. Canada will always stand with Ukraine in the fight for freedom and democracy against Putin's tyranny. And if you scroll through this, um, a lot of conservatives were not happy, not happy with this tweet at all. Not happy with the stance that he took on this and kind of leaves one wondering why he did. Why did he go? Why did he take this path? I have a couple theories, but wondering if you have any thoughts there, Edge. I don't know. I just think that like, know your audience.
5: (laughs)
3: <laughs> like whether or not you are in support of funding Ukraine or not supporting um, funding Ukraine, like he has to know that his overwhelming conservative base are not in support of this. So that's where I'm finding this an interesting take. And like you said, it does scream Justin Trudeau. And everyone in the con uh, the comments said that, like there was like talk of a uniparty, and they're like Pierre and Tr- Justin are no different. And this is the kind of thing that will hurt him because it deviates from his hard line on all of his values and things like that. So I don't know if this was an appeal to be, you know, to the left to try and an appeal to that, that group that has been calling for support for Ukraine. Um, whatever the strategy was, wasn't good. Uh, I don't think that it will help him in any way, shape or form because the people who don't like him aren't going to change because of a tweet. And the people who do like him might change because of a tweet because they might go, you know, sniff, sniff, this guy smells like a phony and then he'll lose support that way. So I just think it was a bad play on his part. But if that's his take, then also that he's got to go with what he believes. And if that's what he believes, then he's going to have to put it out there. So, yeah,
0: I I, I just don't know. Yeah, it was a bit of like, it really kind of came out of right left field from, from my perspective, just because of his different messaging of, you know, um, funding ukraine but not funding ukraine in terms of like you know not signing the bill because they were trying to put a carbon tax on them and all that type of stuff um but it was it it took me off guard uh personally and trying to figure out what was the thought on this the only thing that went through my mind is he were things that really loud in media last week over his take on the transgender stuff um about women's only spaces and my only thing, my thought was kind of what you said is this an appeal to the left after receiving a lot of flack through the media on the transgender stuff. Um, I think we talked about a person. I don't think I brought this up on the show, but when I was watching his speech, I was kind of looking in his, how he went after the pharmaceutical industry. I was looking at um, how he wants to kind of solve different things in terms of bringing more uh, tax cuts to um, middle, middle class, but as well as, you know, how, alleviating the, the burden for business small businesses uh there was just kind of other things that really caught my attention in this speech the transgender stuff it came out in a question from the media that he kind of answered took about 30 seconds and then you know keep it moving you know yeah just keep moving from there and then that that was what got all the play and I personally as someone who watched the whole 20 minute video that was such a small piece of it. I was honestly stunned that that took, had so much play last week. Um, And so I am getting, I get a feeling that this tweet is mainly coming from perspective of, I think he, he felt like, or his team felt they took a huge L last week with the transgender stuff. And I think this was an appeal back to that left side. I think that's totally right. And
3: uh, I think that it was just kind of, it was weird timing because like we all know that somebody in the States passed away. They were a transgender person there. It was a result of bullying and stuff like that. And so the, the media was already charged for that narrative and then to have him kind of say something against it. That's all they took from that. And which is a shame because there was actually a lot in that speech that like the pharmaceutical thing, like I can't wait to talk about that here in a second when we talk about Jagmeet Singh and and, uh, Trudeau, but like that to me was like, ooh, that's an interesting tidbit, but it got completely washed over. But again, like throwing the support for Ukraine, um, like I said, I, I think I could totally feel for the people in Ukraine. Like it's awful. It's, it's terrible. But at the same time, we're a country that does not have ample amounts of cash to throw around. And so I think the people are feeling that. And so your common everyday person goes, I empathize with Ukraine. I empathize with the people there. But I also see tent cities on my block, so I can't see us spending money right now on that. And you also hear the Canadian forces talking about the fact that we don't have the military uh, resources anymore because we've sent them all to Ukraine so that if there was some kind of uh, incident, because we're hearing all the talks about uh, the draft and everything like that, that's been going all over TikTok, but... What the military is saying, the Canadian military is saying, we do not have the resources right now to fund ourselves, to arm ourselves, if there was a war that we got brought into. And then you have somebody say, oh, but we're going to put more support for Ukraine. I think that it kind of comes into a sop in the face of the Canadian military. And so everybody who is traditionally on the conservative side of things is going to be upset with this tweet. So just wasn't a good <laughs> it wasn't a good move
0: yeah and I think it's becoming the sentiment is becoming more of the majority too um, and people are just kind of the the common sense perspective of like yeah we we don't like as much as we hate what's going on with the, the Russia and Ukraine we don't have the funds to f- to fund that we just we came and stand our own two feet right now why are we even thinking of trying to help another country and it's not us because saying oh yeah screw you screw off we don't we hate you that's not even what we're saying it's just like we just can't help you and that's just the on the honest truth of it and so um and i'm starting to see people are even on the left are slowly kind of drifting into that mentality and understanding as well um had a real interesting conversation with a lefty friend of mine this past weekend they, where they said it in their very lefty way but they admitted that like there's like yeah so can we talk about like all the people that are coming in? I was like, uh, what do you mean people? What do you mean you people? <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, nah, that was a good joke. But, um, I was like, but like, what, no, what do you mean? I was like, well, there's just a lot of people coming in and like, we don't have enough schools for them. We don't have enough like doctors for them. We don't have enough infrastructure for them. Like, wh- like why don't we just, the government take their time and like figure out and sort some things out for the people that we have here, make sure everyone's taken care of. And then we can bring more people in. Like, kind of confused about that and that, that was like their very polite way of saying like do we limit immigration uh, without using the word immigration Um and I'm starting to see that sentiment coming out more just you know that rel- the uh I don't even know what the word is I'm looking for. Reluctance. Yeah the reluctant narrative coming out like admitting that this may not be for the best and so as you said to have Poyev come out and kind of go with that Ukraine narrative I think is actually not just going to hurt him in his base it's also going to hurt him on the other side of the aisle too
3: yeah. And it's it's like you said, like the bulk majority, I think, of the center left and the bulk majority of the center right are all saying the same story now. They're all saying like, we see that our system is fractured and is is crumbling beneath us right now. If we keep this ridiculous trend of immigration in and we just can't support it. It's not that we don't want to welcome people. We just we can't. We're welcoming you to a party with no food No lights and and nothing, (laughs) like no walls. So it's like, what are we welcoming you to? We're taking from from one crisis where you're vulnerable and bring you to another crisis where you're vulnerable, just in a different way. And I feel like nobody likes that, especially people who are well-meaning, like I said, who are left-leaning, right-leaning, well-meaning, and uh, who really want to help people. They just realize we don't have the capacity to help everyone right now. We're pouring from an empty cup. It's just, it's not there yet and so when you see this kind of thing it's like uh-oh <laughs> this is not what i this is not what i'm hoping for but uh yeah and then again it just it sounds so much like the rhetoric that we're hearing from trudeau what oh, like makes me my like, the hair on the back of my neck stand up is the fact that i'm like are we getting another justin trudeau just with like better slogans and can actually speak Mm -hmm. That's what I'm worried about and so when I see something like that, I'm like
0: (laughs) It reminds me in some regard of like Nikki Haley down in the States um, Mm. Where she's 100% establishment um, and trying to get you know get into the presidency And seeing her and Vivek Ramaswamy going back and forth in the debates Vivek is someone who's an outsider. He's not a political insider is an insider I and mean, she's done a lot of deals uh, in the war machine and made a lot of money that way and wants to see more war happen especially after all the stuff happened with um israel and hamas her response was just heart-wrenching oh yeah she was saying bomb them all and it was like are you serious that's like human lives here yeah it's like her exact words were finish them that would, those are her exact words, and so I'm like, I don't want another one of those people in. Vivek and Trump are on the on the side of like, let's not do that. Let's not get involved in wars like this, and like, let's 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 have some peace. Um, I don't know if we have like a person in Canada who can actually vouch for that. Like, we don't want to keep funding endless wars. We want to start bringing some peace to the world, stabilize the economies across the West and then across the globe, and, and help our own people here at home. Uh, that's the bottom line. Yeah. There's not really much more to say than, than that. Let's, let's see some peace in this world because right now it's a, it's a bit of a mess. Absolutely. And this uh, TikTok kind of came out, which I think was interesting that there's a, this individual, I believe, uh, Oh, actually, no, sorry, this individual is in Canada. Uh, he's a Canadian creator. Uh, he comes from the, I would say he's identifies more on the left side of politics talking about kind of what the premiers are up to with healthcare in this country and what their plans are for healthcare in this country. And we're going to play this out, let them talk, and then we're going to break down
5: the conversation here. Doug and his fellow conservative premiers continue to break healthcare in Canada. And the scheme is becoming more obvious as they're beginning to upcharge people who are getting surgeries out of province. So this story follows a man who had an extensive wait time for surgery in Ontario. So he went to Alberta, since he'd been on a wait list for more than three years for shoulder surgery. He was in significant pain, so he decided he had to get something done. He went to a place called Canadian Surgery Solutions in Calgary, and he was charged $28,000 as a non-Albertan resident. He was under the impression that his surgery was going to be covered by OHIP. It wasn't. So OHIP told him that he would be receiving a percentage of the cost, but what he actually got was $1,821. So, not even a tenth. Why? Because it's not a publicly funded hospital, because those charges are considered facility charges. Now this is happening right at the same time as Health Minister Sylvia Jones is saying that we're going to lean more on private surgeries. Although she said, quote, They will always be paid for with your OHIP card, never your credit card. Except for this case, where he has to pay for it with his credit card. Because he says that the entire cost should be covered because he couldn't have it done in Ontario. He said, quote, I've been working my whole life paying into OHIP, but when I had to use it, it wasn't there for me. And that's the heart of the problem. People are being charged for services they've already paid for. So how did this happen? Well, this is the heart of the scam that the conservative premiers are setting up. They figured out that these private health clinics can't overcharge in-province residents, but they can overcharge out-of-province residents. So that's what they're doing. They're sending all of these people needing health care to other provinces to overpay. In this case, going from Ontario to Alberta to pay $28,000 for an operation. But governments are funding it too. like Saskatchewan's spending $2,000 a scan to send people for mammograms. To a private clinic in Alberta, even though in Saskatchewan that costs about $200. Same thing with knee and hip surgeries. Send them to Alberta, overpay. Because the Health Act says that you can't be upcharged for services that are offered by the in-province healthcare system. But if you send somebody out of province, then they can be upcharged. And the grift cycle continues. Because this is the game. Break the in-province system, replace it with private clinics, and then shuffle patients from province to province so you can rip them off. This isn't a solution. This is a ripoff.
0: So that's a big statement um, to come out and say the premiers in Canada are all conspiring together to get private healthcare instituted in the country is a big statement. Not saying he's uh, not saying that's not true. Not saying that it is true. I'm just saying that's a big statement to make off of very little information. But. Reg is our resident healthcare man here on the show. What, what are your thoughts when you read this or saw uh, saw this? So I say
3: this is BS. <laughs> first off, um, that is not the mandate of conservative government. So first off, I like, I like Steve. I like watching his content. Um, I, I follow a lot of it. I agree with a lot of it because I'm more left-leaning. Um, this is kind of a, Crappy take, I'll say. Just because one, he emphasizes that the conservative premiers in the in the country are trying to break healthcare, and then gives these examples. And what's interesting is that when you actually look at the healthcare crisis across the country, it's the same thing: it's lack of doctors, lack of access, lack lack of physical space, um, the amount of administrative burden that was put on them through COVID. Like it's just everyone's burnt out. There's not enough actual physical spaces to hold people there's not enough physical clinics to actually see people that they're just shuffling people wherever they can get them to get them to have care so that their their citizens aren't in pain or aren't um, waiting. Because when you look at the fact that if you delay a scan for something and then that goes undetected and then it gets worse and worse over time, the actual healthcare costs are going to way outstrip the $2,000 that you spend on the scan. So I think that it's just, it's a, bad take. It's a take from somebody who is obviously not embedded in the healthcare system and doesn't see behind the covers because that is not the plan for the governments across this, across these, this country in these provinces. And specifically speaking about Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia has poured millions, hundreds of millions more into its healthcare system to update it, to make it more accessible, to actually connect systems and I get to see that every single day, which is really, really cool. So that's why I always get defensive when I see these kind of comments come out because the work behind the scenes is immense and it's actually groundbreaking. And especially for Nova Scotia, we had conversations with different industry partners and they've said, like, Nova Scotia is leading the country right now in healthcare because we've invested in it. And that's a conservative government that's investing in healthcare because they made it their mandate. Now, I can't speak for what Saskatchewan and Alberta are doing. I know that Alberta is very big on privatizing everything. So, privatizing healthcare just seems like a classic move for them. And they, they've talked about that a lot. The problem is when you set up a two tier system like that with public and private, private always just cannibalizes the public system until you have nothing left because then you have all those private healthcare workers. Are now in in coming from the pri- sorry coming from the public system, and they're just charging exorbitant rates, and it's always going to cost more for the average person. So, yeah, I just I think this is the wrong take. <laughs> the take should be uh, healthcare in Canada is a broken system, and that we're seeing provinces using other provinces to try and fill in the gaps. And what we need is actual federal healthcare coming from the federal pockets that are lined with cash that they can give it away to GC strategies, to the Philippines, to the wee Charities, to the SNC ones that they can give it away to everybody else. They should be putting it into healthcare and they should actually have a national healthcare strategy. But
0: we don't. So mm-hmm. and I think you hit on something very specific there and very important where it's so, so easy. And we've heard it so many times over the past several years. We just need to put more money into healthcare. And that is, that's a very liberal take where, yeah, we need to put more money into it, but we need a strategy. Yeah. Strategy is very key. We need to have actual action items, actionable adam, items. I cannot speak to that. <laughs> It is rough. Uh, but action items that people can actually meet and people will be held accountable if they miss them or if they meet or if they get them. These are things that are very key. This is where you actually bring the business acumen into the public sphere and help them to achieve their goals to help everybody else out when it comes to healthcare. So yeah, I think yeah money is important, but we need to have an actionable plan to act on those things and, and make that a reality. Yeah, and the other part of it too is that with the actionable items, you have to have measurable
3: outcomes and those outcomes need to be reported.
0: That's what the word I was looking for. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> no worries, yeah. but like so that's my role for people who don't realize I'm an evaluator. So I actually look at whether or not the things that are being paid for are actually resulting in good outcomes and that whether or not it's worth the money. And from what I can see, because we have a whole team of people who are evaluators, and from what I'm seeing, like we're actually spending money where it's supposed to be because there is a plan, there's strategy, there's... Reams of research. We bring in the universities to have them actually contribute um, students as well as academics to make sure things are well researched, well uh, designed, and backed up by evidence. And then we also bring in community from the other side to say, "Is this actually going to work?" This is what you know the research is saying. Do you agree that this is probably a good strategy? And you bring the two of them together, and then you fund it well from government side. And then you measure, you evaluate, and you shift depending on what the outcomes are. Because if things start to go south, which there have been a couple initiatives that started to go south, and then they very quickly got turned around, turfed, or completely changed entirely so that they did fit and they were a good use of money. That's what needs to happen. That needs to happen at a provincial level in each province as well as a federal level. But hey, it's the provinces conspiring against
0: <laughs> against the healthcare system. Well, I do have a question though, because this is, People on TikTok will see stuff like Steve Boots, uh, and have a real question of they'll they'll re- regurgitate and reiterate this to their friends that like oh my gosh the conservative premiers are conspiring against the healthcare or public health healthcare system and they want private. What do you say in those conversations with them to help them realize that may not actually what's going on?
3: So like I said, I'm very lucky because I'm coming from a place of privileged information where I can say that's not what's happening. And I'm, I'm the type of person, like, I know that I'm reassuring because that's just the energy I bring. And I come from that kind of perspective because I know the information, I live it, I see it. So it's really hard when you're seeing things like this, and this is the only information that you're going off of. And so what I would say is try and seek out people who are actually in those planning um, strategic groups within healthcare in your province Try and find them, try and talk to somebody, send an email to a rep and say, you know, what are you actually doing for healthcare in my in my province? Have we voted you in? Like, what is your what is your take on all this? Uh, Because they will have things to say about it, whether it be negative or positive, depending on what party they are. They're still going to answer you. The other thing is, like I said, you actually have to talk to the people who are working in those spaces, which you can find. You can look up your local health authority and you can find all the people who work in the different departments. It will take effort and it will be arduous because sometimes people aren't easy to find. But when you do find them, I think that that will be your best source of information because going off the TikTok video, like he is... Putting so much of his own opinion into that, it's just not even funny, and it's not true. It's disingenuous, actually, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a harmful narrative, honestly.
0: Yeah, because you get people, who you discourages them. It does, and it makes them think like, "Oh man, they're all they're all screwing us left uh, six ways a Sunday." And uh, and again, I, I understand how that sounds to some, where it's like, "Oh, well, you're you're obviously a conservative, so obviously you want to make sure that your guys are getting in." And I'm like, "Yeah, I, I hear you," but. That's not where I'm coming from on this one. Like there, there's situations where I'm seeing now because I am not in the public sphere like you are, but I get to see from the outskirts and get to talk to people who are in those meetings, uh, and I can say like there are people who are really are trying their best right now. Um, there, I I say what I say about Trudeau and in his cabinet because they've given me reason to say the things I say. Like they, there's little actual things they've done where I'm like, oh, that's clearly illegal probably shouldn't be doing that I don't know if you have the best interest of Canadians at heart because they've done things to to do that whereas right now there hasn't been enough evidence for me on the on the right leaning side of the scale where they I'm like is that what's happening i I have to give the benefit of the doubt on this one yeah so.
3: it's funny because like I always think about the fact that the amount of people that have come up to me and been like Reg, I thought you would have been in politics by now. <laughs> it happens a lot more than I am comfortable with, I think, because I'm just like, why? <laughs> um, but uh, I would never, ever step into a federal political scene because that is not for me at all. I, I don't actually believe that some of those people are working uh, with the best intent for Canadians. There, there definitely are people there. I'm not going to paint them all with one brush, but I don't think that there's a lot of them there or the ones that are there are, are heavily muzzled and silenced. In the provincial sphere though, it's a little different. Um, at the municipal levels, you don't really have a lot of power to do much. You, you control property taxes, garbage collection and water bills. But uh, at a provincial level, you're actually you've got quite a bit of power and you have quite a bit of influence, but you're close enough to the people that you haven't lost sight of who it is that you're working for. and so and you're actually a lot more accessible. Like if you want to have an audience with the premier's office or with anybody in government, they're actually usually willing to to talk to you. I had looked into um, provincial taxes and provincial debt loads and debt servicing stuff a couple of years ago, and I actually got to go speak with the minister of finance about it because I sent them a message and say, hey, hey, I'm looking at this stuff. Would you mind having a conversation with me? I'm a student at Dell. And they're like... Of course, gave me the time. I went in and talked to them. They're really great. Gave me some paperwork on like where the debt is going, what the debt ratios were, and and what our uh, debt servicing fees were. I was like, this is amazing. And they were like, yeah, of course. So I have a lot of faith and a lot of time for provincial politics, none for the federal.
0: (laughs) You mean you can't get an audience of Christianity Freeland? Oh, I mean <laughs> maybe. <laughs> she you mean will she be able to break it down for you of like you know where where things that were lost where we added things like you know where she be able to pull that off for you? She might like
3: talking to me because I did cancel Disney Plus. Oh. I even canceled Netflix. The only thing I've got left is Prime. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I did add this the stack package to it so that we could get HGTV. Not the stack <laughs> package. <laughs> <laughs> Jen and I watch the HDTV all the time. We're is just like, go to? Oh yeah. We're like, Oh, what is our house going to look like? If we renovated it a little bit. And Jen's like, if we just push that wall here. And we just, you know, add a backsplash there. <laughs> yeah,
0: you guys are psychotic. The amount of work you're doing on your house this summer. I'm like, gee, that's not for me. I love it. I, I can only do one project a year uh, at this point, And I just did finish mine. So <laughs> in another life,
3: Reg would be either a construction contractor or a farmer Or a
0: musician. I want to be all things. (laughs) All things to all men. Here we go. Uh, So we're going to get into something that got uh, the conservatives really fired up a couple weeks back. uh, There was a video that was uh, making its rounds about um, children, encouraging children to to essentially kill themselves.
5: Um, (laughs) That's that's what the video was.
0: And uh, it was from Stephen McKay uh there's this tweet i originally saw who is you know kind of tweets on politics and religion by the looks of it here um and he posted the video and says this is an extremely disturbing video featuring a horrifying character called uncle ernie he's a a funeral urn that has a dark message for children it's okay to pass away this is a disturbing video that's promoting a disturbing comedy that has this disturbing message the evil message being that people should be allowed and encouraged and their own lives. If they are a financial burden on their family. <laughs> yep, This is wrong. I agree. This wouldn't be so bad if the entire government of Canada didn't have the same message. There's a death cult in the Western society, pushing this filth on children and the elderly. It is wrong to kill your loved ones. So I get where this guy was coming from. Um, we've done our own research. It again, he said it, it's a satirical comedy, um, that, you know, is a, we're going to play the video. You can come to your own decision on what this is all about. Um, but I understand where the conservatives came on this, where all the, the laws are being pushed on made in this country, um, how they're making made a lot more accessible to people. And then you start seeing this pop up on YouTube and during commercials. I can understand what the trauma response would be to that. Mm-hmm. Um, we looked into it. Yeah, like it's just people trying to fund for their play. This is supposed to be a play. And this was like their video on that. You you be the judge if this is your type of humor. Um, yeah, you, you, this is Canada. You you still have your rights here, uh, at the moment, and uh, you you can decide if this is funny. Uh, you can decide if this is terrible. You be the judge. Um, but this wasn't something where it's like someone made this trying to push it on children. Be like, yeah, you need to. It's okay to kill yourself. You know, if you're you're a burden on your family. Um, I get. I know, I know, I hear, I hear the right right now. And they're saying, uh, Josh, this is all a big plan to really encourage the use of MAID. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's supposed to be lighthearted, but it's kind of pushing that message on kids and children that they don't need their parents' permission that they can just go ahead and access MAID if they're having mental problems which we know that was introduced it's being halted for now um, but that was being introduced as legislation here in this country so i understand the trauma response from the conservatives after that i'll leave it at that all right Uh, we're gonna play the video for you it is wild
2: It's okay to pass away today, it's okay to pass away It's okay to pass away today, it's okay to pass away They'll put you in an urn or they'll put you in a grave Either way for certain gonna happen someday Some say it's wrong and they'll tell you just to pray But it's okay to pass away It's okay to pass away Today it's okay to pass away Oh my gosh It's okay to pass away today. It's okay to pass away. If your family is struggling, juggling the bills. Really feel the burden of the doctors and your pills. Call us up today and you know we're going to say that it's okay to pass away. It's okay to pass away today. It's okay to pass (laughs) away.
0: Oh, yeah. So it just goes on for, that, uh, for a while. And uh, you'd be the judge of what you feel about that. Uh, is it distasteful? Yes. Um, is it funny? You'd be the judge. Uh, but that's kind of what happened. I know that was kind of circulating a lot of uh, social media where, like, this was a real thing. This was serious. Uh, it, it wasn't. But, you know, I can understand why people are very sensitive around this stuff because it's it's sensitive things to be joking about. It kind of looks like Grimace from, like, McDonald's. It does. You want a double <laughs> cheeseburger with that? Um,
3: I've worked in uh, just off the emergency room in a hospital. The humor that comes with working in healthcare is very dark. So I, imagine. I can I can I can see this being very comical for people who have darker senses of humor. Um, but I like you said, I can also understand the trauma response from from people. Um, but. I think that people just have to realize this is satirical. It's not meant to be taken seriously. And I think that's a big issue here is that people are having a hard time discerning what's what's comedy or what is not meant to be taken serious and what is actually serious. And so that's where, like, the whole spiral of, like, this is just, like, the first step and blah, blah, blah. And, like, n- no. <laughs> If you ever saw that video it's like gonna celebrate our differences. <laughs> <laughs> like that one was bad too. <laughs> but, <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You wanted to so bad. I wanted to so bad. Can't do it on recording though. (laughs) But anyway, that kind of thing, right? I mean, nobody looked at that. Well, there was actually quite a few people who were like, this is disgusting. I can't believe they put that out there. They are taking this like completely wrong. And I had sent it to a friend of mine, um, a different friend who's left because I have a lot of left friends because I consider myself to be more left-leaning. And uh, they were like this is disgusting. I hope my child never sees this. And like, I was like, girl, you realize this is a joke. Like nobody in their right mind thinks this is an appropriate video. (laughs) And she's like, oh, well, I guess it's kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think that people need to need to realize like humor is always meant to push the boundaries. It's always meant to cross the line. Uh, That's
0: just what It's role in society is. So that's how I I view this. Absolutely. Comedy is super crucial in our society. Uh, I just had to push back on things to really make people uncomfortable at times Um, and to get people thinking about things like, let's be honest, you know, I'm a Christian. There's been a fair amount of comedians taking their shots at the church, taking their shots at Christians. And I'm no, (laughs) I'm no stranger to how all that works. Uh, There's things I'm offended by and there's things I just won't watch because I'm like, I didn't enjoy that. But luckily I have the right to say that I didn't enjoy that. You know, I didn't appreciate that. I just don't watch the content, whatever, get over it. Uh, and so that's kind of where we're struggling right now is we're going through a cultural revolution here in this country where a lot of serious things have been happening that people have the right love to say the left can't joke about nothing. Well, I'm sorry to say the right is really struggling with their sense of humor lately. I find as well, um, because I get it. You're being assaulted. Um, mentally you're being assaulted uh, with things that are happening around you we are literally in a cultural revolution right now that that you c- it can zap anyone's sense of humor i get you but do not lose it because there are some some things in this world that are hilarious and you gotta laugh about them yeah and i'm an atheist so i'm sitting there laughing at all the yeah.
3: <laughs> sure jokes. you are sure you are <laughs> but uh yeah it i do i i think that both sides are not not at a place right now where they can they can laugh. And I think that that's the unfortunate part is that then we kind of create a divide, right? Where if you can't laugh about things and you can't see things from both sides and can't see the humor in something, it makes it really challenging because then things become so serious that you actually start to hate people. And that's the problem. And that's where I, like I said, I think comedy really has to play a pivotal role in our society where you have to be able to sit beside your Christian friend as an atheist or your atheist friend as a Christian and and say like, you know what, whatever, like we're laughing at your expense right now. We're going to laugh at your, like my expense here in a second. Like, it's just, you got to be able to take things in stride. Otherwise it all becomes too serious. And then you start, you know, shipping people
0: off to war. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I really, when you come into dictatorships and authoritarian governments, that's why one of the first things they get rid of is, com- is comedy. Yeah. Um, because that's how they keep control. Um, And as well, it's how they keep people hating each other as well. Uh, And I remember growing up, I had the privilege of growing up in Toronto. Uh, got to be around a lot of different cultures, and different people, and that's all we did was make fun of each other. Uh, had the Filipinos say, "Hey, white boy," uh, and you know, making fun of the fact that at the time I couldn't handle spice. Uh, and then you know, my my West Indian friends really killed me on the fact I couldn't handle spice at the time. Uh, and that's just how it went. And we always joked about each other's differences and joked about um, where we came from, and it was never taken to be overly serious. And guess what? We still do that to this day. Uh, I remember hanging out with them. and We're just like, man, the stuff we joke about as kids, man, you can't get away with that. So we just like all phones are off when we're hanging out and we just enjoy it. We just kill each other. And that's kind of how normal people act. Um, and do not lose that because I think it's super key. To, as you said, if you lose that, you start hating people. Uh, and you start hating them based on their skin color. You start hating them based on their r- religious beliefs. You start hating them on their political beliefs. Whatever have you. You hate them because of their gender. You hate them because of their sexual preference. That's where this goes. So you cannot lose your sense of humor. Yep. Agreed. And speaking of sense of humor, you want to see a big joke? That bill pharmacare bill that just got signed. What a joke that was. Uh, liberals and New Democrats reach a deal on pharmacare here with Justin Trudeau and Jagmeet. Jagmeet laid down the gauntlet a couple weeks back and he says, we will be going to an election. I'm pulling my confidence deal if we don't get PharmaCare signed now. And Trudeau says, don't worry, we got you, big boy. And they did. The federal liberal government and the NDP have come to an agreement on, on PharmaCare, clearing the way for the two parties to continue operating under the confidence and supply agreement that has helped to keep the government in power over the past two years. In an interview with CBC's Rosemary Barton, live airing Sunday, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh said, to, uh, said weeks of talks between the two sides have pr- produced draft legislation that will set out the framework for a national pharmacare program and in the short term, new coverage for contraception and diabetes treatment. A senior government source confirmed that an agreement had been reached. So on the whole, it's like, This is what
3: we want. We want drugs to be covered for people, contraceptives as well as diabetes, insulin. You know what I mean? Like this sounds really good. The only problem I have with it is the two people bringing it in. (laughs) And I'm like, who is getting paid behind the scenes? And big pharma, as we know, are not ones that are overly altruistic. They're looking for their buck. And if we know from the past with this current government's regime of paying and overpaying for things, this is where I'm concerned. Because if it was a different government bringing in pharmacare, I'd be like, yes, win, this is great, like awesome. I'm concerned because I'm like, these two players, I don't know what deals and handshakes they had going on in back rooms because government money going to a pharma company it's going to be a lot of money and there's going to be a lot of rich people at these pharmaceutical companies that are just chomping at the bit to maybe price uh, diabetes medication at like 3x the the cost. And then we just pay for it because it's now an, uh, a bill that affects the entire country. So that's where I'm concerned. I love the idea in theory. I hate it in practice with these two clowns because that's what I'm concerned about is like how much are we going to overpay for this? Mm -hmm. And is there any measures in place to say to the pharmaceutical companies, you're overcharging us for these? Stop, basically. Um, Either lower it or we're going with a different pharmaceutical company. That's what I'm, I'm wondering. And I'm wondering, is there going to be different pharmaceutical companies involved for different things or is it one that we're going through? Like there's so many questions around this that are not answered and everything's being kept very quiet, very hush hush that I'm concerned.
0: <laughs> I think you should be. I think you bring up a lot of sp- specific and viable points of where what's going on with this. And you brought this up in a separate conversation. I think it applies here as well. And as it was my experience working when I worked in pharmaceuticals for about three or four years myself. Pharma- pharmaceuticals, they, they love, but they hate working in the States. Because yeah, like it's pri- private healthcare. You can just ch- charge whatever you want. But the thing they really hate is they hate working with 50 separate states that all have their different laws and all have their different boards and all have their different processes of how they do things and this that the other yada yeah, yada yeah, yeah, yada. or in canada a bill like this goes through you only deal with one board one set of um decision makers and then you just deal with them and then they just disperse your product like that's a dream in business like i'll have to deal with one set of people and i just get access to all this market who wouldn't? It's a great idea. Um, so especially with, as you said, with these two at the helm, bringing this in, after how much they overpaid for vaccines in the first place during the pandemic, and now they're the ones who are going to bring in pharmacare? No, thank you. I'm okay. Let's try to make sure we get the current infrastructure that we have figured out first before we start introducing another aspect of how we're going to pay for things for people as well.
3: My other concern is that we've been very... Um, clear on the fact that healthcare is a provincial priority. And it's funny because it's always something that I hear as an argument against when you hear Pierre Polyev saying like, oh, healthcare is garbage in this country under the watch of Trudeau. And everybody is so quick to say, well, healthcare is a provincial priority. It's, you know, we can't use that as an argument. And then when you have something like this coming through, like this is very much impacting healthcare at a federal level. So it's like, why are we piecemealing out healthcare as like, oh, well, this part of healthcare is provincial, but now we're going to layer on something that's federal? I feel like it has to be either one or the other. Otherwise, you're going to have a fragmented system, even more fragmented than it is right now, where you're paying and overpaying because. You have a charge from the federal side and then a charge that's being recouped at the provincial side. And then how do the provincial drug plans align with that? And it's just going to be so much administrative burden, so much cost. And I think that you're just going to be basically hiring an entire bureaucratic department to handle the mess that this is going to create because of the constitutional divide of healthcare. So I just, I don't like it. (laughs) But I can totally empathize with people who are on diabetes medication right now going, this is going to be a saving grace for me. And, you know, truthfully, like I said, I love the idea of a farmer care plan. I think that the fact that we don't pay for drugs in our provincial plans right now, um, it's just absurd. Like the fact that your eyes, your ears and your teeth and your drugs are not included under your health care. is just absurd to me. Who can function without their eyes, ears, teeth and vital medications like insulin? Nobody. (laughs) So, I love the idea in theory. I hate it with these two and I don't like it at that level right now unless we take the whole healthcare system and start pushing it towards a federal system where it's being funded by
0: the boatloads of cash that they have at the Ottawa level. Mm. Yeah. Um, and interesting ideas. Don't know if I agree with it personally, um, but you know, I think it's worth a conversation with people who are actually mature enough to have the conversation. Um, these two aren't can't no. do it can't do it with <laughs> these two uh, not not a huge fan of having that conversation with these guys at the table but uh as i said like we're already so, we're hemorrhaging money left right and center we can't do this right now and i think that's where we're going to leave this currently we don't agree with it but um a lot of people mainly the the in encouragement that people had was like maybe this would be the thing that would you know force trudeau not to be able to, be able to come up with something for I mean, maybe we will be going to the polls this spring. I know people were really praying and hoping. I wasn't too excited, um, you know. I just I was reporting the news as it was coming, but I was like, "Yeah, it's, we all know something's going to happen at the, at the ninth hour, and then we'll move on from there." But and that's what ended up happening. Well, you know why everybody's
3: upset about not going to the polls this spring? It's because they feel like they don't have a voice in politics. They feel like these two don't represent them. That they're not being heard. That people are suffering. And that there's no way for them to actually influence the political system because we all know that if you have a majority or a supply and deliver kind of halfway majority thing that they've got going on people feel completely powerless the everyday person feels completely powerless and which interesting is that not all systems are designed this way so it's funny that they brought up electoral reform because one of the things that i was actually looking into i was like what are different democracies doing around the world and the one that I thought was really cool was in Finland. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a background on that. So came into, it came into effect in March 2012. Um, it's called the, the Citizens New Initiative. And so basically what it is, it's that citizens can actually propose legislation or bills and send it into government and have them debate it. And if they have enough signatures behind it, I think that they need... 50,000, yeah, 50,000 signatures they need to have on proposed legislation, then it has to go towards um, the legislators and they have to argue it seriously as if it was proposed by an elected official, which I thought, that is so cool, that's actually engagement into a political system. And what it did was in Finland, they didn't have uh, gay marriage laws. And the people of Finland said, we think that we should have gay marriage here. And so they... Put a, a bill forward. They had the right amount of signatures. It got debated in their in their parliament, and they passed it. They ended up passing that bill. So the other thing that happened though is that they had posted uh, a couple different tax reforms, and so those reforms didn't actually come into bill as they are described. But it brought the issue forward to their political leaders, such that those political leaders adjusted the bills enough that it still captured the main theme that the public wanted and then met the satisfaction requirements for that, their, their parliament. So they actually got things passed on tax reform as well. And so I look at that and like, we could have that in Canada. It's not very far off. Like the Finnish people are not that much different than us. Like why not? And so I just, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on kind of a, a system where the common person would be proposing legislation. Um,
0: I can go back and forth on it. Um, I go either way I should say on it. Um, Because I'm not a huge fan of uh, majority rule, um, a political system, not a huge fan of that. um, Because what we're seeing right now is currently what we're experiencing uh a lot of the populations concentrated to ontario and quebec they hold all the power and they dictate what happens to the rest of the country so this type of system kind of worries me in that regard it's like all right if you get enough people behind a certain idea then they can consensually control how things are are done this is why in some ways i really do appreciate the system in the states because it really gives an equal voice to a lot of different parts of the states um, that otherwise wouldn't have one because they just don't have the population size. Uh, so like, I love the idea in theory. I think it's really cool, but I can definitely see where it could go wrong like, down the path. Yeah. And so I guess what I was looking at is the fact that just because like, let's say
3: they put a bill forward and you know, everybody in the country signs it, signs saying we want this bill. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's going to become law. It means that it is now become a priority for the parliament to actually discuss and debate and put into law. So it's, I feel like it's not quite as authoritative as, as you were kind of describing. For me, it's just kind of like when you looked at that anti Justin Trudeau a petition come through, you know, 350,000 signatures on it. Um, and so far, have heard nothing. And you know what? The left was like totally right on that. They were like, no, it's not going to go anywhere. And you're right. It didn't, it didn't go anywhere. It was interesting though, because it was the largest signed petition in Canadian history. So it's definitely going to make the history books for that. But it showed an overwhelming distaste and distrust for the current government regime that we have. So in this kind of system, they would be forced to actually discuss that. And that's what I like about it is that if you have enough people in the population that are just like this really sucks or we think this is exciting to take it on to a more positive note they could actually force parliament to talk about something rather than feels like right now in canada we're screaming into the wind yeah
0: i I don't disagree i you know I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine who uh felt and they're older but they were really feeling discouraged by what they're currently seeing uh the fact that you know this whole you know, a uh, deal was reached by Trudeau and Singh. Um, didn't know the details of the deal. Didn't know the details of what's going to happen with Pharmacare. Don't feel like they have a voice anything they can do. We just have to hope and wait till 2025 to be able to have our voices finally heard. And they, in the meantime, they can do whatever they want and tell everyone to screw off in the process. And that's how a lot of people are feeling. So I, I get it to a degree. Like, I think it is positive. This could be a positive idea. Um, I'm just... Because of everything I've seen and experienced since 2020, uh, I am so not in the camp of like, oh, this is going to work so well. (laughs) I immediately go to how can this be used to abuse people? Mm -hmm. So,
3: yeah. Well,
0: speaking of abusing people. (laughs) Taxes, let's, baby. <laughs> let's talk debt.
3: And let's talk taxes.
0: Yeah, so this is a TikTok account of came up. This is a guy who's out of Nova Scotia talking about taxes and stuff like that. And uh you got some you got some stuff to talk about. And so this was all you. I'll let you lead the way on this one. Yeah, for sure.
3: So basically he kind of talks about the point of government debt, and he talks about the fact that When you think about debt at a government level, like you can't think about it like you think of your own personal debt. It's completely different. And to be quite honest, like I've taken economics classes. I have a business degree and I thought this way too. But the problem is, is that we never seem to have the conversation about debt servicing. And that's the part that kind of annoys me a lot because... You know, the individual in the TikTok, he talks a lot about it. Um, actually, let's just show them Play the TikTok, it. yeah. And
4: got it. So this is something that people who consider themselves common-sense conservatives love to say, but it actually doesn't make any sense. Um, so let's talk about government debt. It's Government debt is not like y- the debt you and I have, right? Like, if you have $20,000 in debt, you have to worry about how you're going to pay the whole thing off. Government debt doesn't work that way. The only thing that governments need to care about is if they're able to pay their interest payments, more or less, if they're able to pay the interest on the debt that they have. Um, and creditors will only stop lending to governments if they feel like, uh, you know, the government tax revenues aren't going to be sustainable enough uh, to pay down that, in, those interest payments in future. And that's usually tied to how well they're stewarding a particular economy. Canada is a very, very strong economy, um, but there's actual things that the government could be spending on that are impediments to economic growth and productivity uh that neither the liberals or conservatives would ever do because it would require increasing the tax burden on wealthy canadians right and those are the people who you know fundraise for both of those parties um but if you actually spent properly on things like public health care on things like university tuition on things like child care and affordable housing you would alleviate the economic burden on canadians they would be able to earn more money and spend more money and therefore pay more in tax, which would in turn allow the government to further service its debt interest payments, right?
3: Okay. So a couple of things to break down. Um one, I love how he's like, well, you know, they're not taxing the wealthiest Canadians, so that's that's the issue here. Because- Garbage. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're they're fundraising for the the political parties. Which like there is kernels of truth to that. Like, I'm not completely denying that. I'm not stupid. But at the same time, it's not the the answer, um, which I'll get into in like two seconds. But basically, the fact that he was like, oh yeah, it's not the same kind of thing as our debt. No, so when you borrow, you are agreeing to a certain interest rate that you're going to pay that board money back at over a certain period of time. And the government is no different. It's just they can borrow pretty much indefinitely. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have the they don't have the time horizon like we die, the creditors know that, so they have to get their money back by a certain period of time. Countries, they're going to keep going on well past generations, so they know that they're going to get the money. The problem is that when you're spending, like you don't think that there's any kind of consequence, then the debt servicing ratio to the amount of money you're actually earning, it's it's what's killing us right now. Right, so then you have to raise taxes in order to service the debt, and then you have to spend more on infrastructure, and spend more on public housing, spend more on all these things that you mentioned, because the population is just basically dying under the amount of debt that you're um, that you're taxing them on, and so it just kind of creates a snowball effect where it's like crap, you know, our debt servicing is way too high, so we're spending billions on servicing this debt, so we have to borrow more to. Help the Canadians that were then taxing to then try and service this debt, which then we're borrowing more. So it's just, it's ludicrous. And so, when I hear this kind of thing, when they're like, "It's not the same as personal debt," it's like you're kind of half right because no, it's not the same in that you know there's no finality to it, and and creditors are not worried about the the country not um, paying back its debt. But the problem is, is that it's not infinite money, and I think that that's what our government right now thinks it is (laughs) and has kind of lost the plot on that.
0: Yeah. So one thing that really bothers me about this individual, because I've watched some of his other content in general over the past couple of years and something I really get frustrated by when these conversations come up are Just thinking that the money that is being used is the government's money. Yeah. I hate this idea that we keep normalizing how much we're being taxed because it's not normal. Like income tax is relatively new. It came out during the World War and to be able to service the war effort. And then it kept going up since and kept going up. Kept going up and kept going up to the point where I'm like, I'm looking at your T four. You're just like, gee, wow, the government's really taking a lot. They really got to service a lot of debt, uh, and it just really just kind of frustrates me, especially when we kind of run this fractional reserve banking system is what's allowed this to happen. And I'm just kind of over the idea of like, yeah, like we have, we want to do all these things. We we of course we want pharmacare. Of course we want healthcare. Of course we want all these things. But the mentality is never let's use the money that we have at our disposal to make it super impactful. It's always, we got to find, we got to ask for more money from these people to be able to do these things. And then they try to sell in such a way so they can take that money. So that's where I get to get frustrated in general. I'm like, I'm just done with normalizing taxes. It's time to start. How about we start reducing taxes to the point where it's a little more sustainable Uh, From a a personal perspective But also sustainable for the government To at least keep the specific services That we do enjoy running Um, But like the idea of like getting the point Of taxing someone 50% On their friggin after income tax Is crazy to me Yeah, And then the HST And all the garbage comes (laughs) up on top of that Just screw off
3: And so what's interesting is I I did do a little bit of a deep dive And this comes from a bit of a personal note Because um, my family has a business and they're talking about where to locate the business. Do we keep it in Canada where it's currently located? Do we move it to Wyoming? Do we move it to the Caribbean? Do we move it to Ireland? And they're having this conversation seriously. And they're not making stupid amounts of money. They're, just, they're a small business by every me- like metric. And so they're having these conversations. And so I was asking, I was saying, well, like, why? And so I was talking to them. I was uh, talking to other two small business owners and they were just saying that the taxes that you pay in corporate income tax is just untenable. It's too much. And they said that, you know, Nova Scotia is one of the worst offenders. And so when I did some digging into it, I was looking at just a comparison first of like personal income taxes and corporate income taxes in Nova Scotia compared to Alberta. And so I've always been of the belief, like the liberal mindset of like, these evil corporations tax the crap out of them because (laughs) they're just making stupid amounts of money and we need to use that money for the benefit of the public because they're just, they're soaking us. And one of the things that I find interesting is that when you look at a province like Alberta, who is not drawing from equalization, I go, okay, well, how are they funding things? And so when you look at their, their income taxes, so their income tax on $100,000, 10%. In Nova Scotia, 13.8%. So you're making $100,000, you're paying almost four grand more in taxes than you would if you lived in Alberta, just by virtue of living in two different places. If you have a small business in Alberta, you're only paying 2% um, provincial uh, taxes on your business. If you live in Nova Scotia, you're paying 25 And so that doesn't seem like a whole lot, but then when you add the federal taxes on top of that, it becomes obscene. You've got 9% federal tax on top of that. So that's a company who's making $500,000 or less. As soon as you make 500001 in Alberta, you're paying 8% tax. In Nova Scotia, you're paying 14. Gee. Why would a business set up shop in Nova Scotia when they say, I can pay 8% in Alberta or 14 in Nova Scotia. And then that's not even to add in the 38% base tax that you'd be paying to the federal government on top of that. But that changes because then you have an abatement program that would bring it down to 28. Um, But that doesn't count on exports because we don't want to be exporting products out of the country, obviously, because we don't want to bring in money from outside of our borders. You know, that that would just be foolish. Who launched that? Yeah, and then also then if you are a zero emission technology company, then you only pay 7.5%. So nice. good for VW in, uh, <laughs> in Ontario. They don't have to pay very much on their battery plant. And then there's a weird general tax reduction that applies if you're, or sorry, that doesn't apply if you're a small business or your energy generation, your investment income, mortgage corp, mutual fund, personal services. It's so much like just intricacy for no reason. And then you look at Ireland and Ireland says you can set up shop here. You can make as much as you want 12.5% flat. So why would any business pick Canada over Ireland? And why would any business pick Nova Scotia over Alberta? And these are the businesses that we need to create jobs to sustain our economy and to actually pay for the things. Otherwise these companies are just going to find every loophole going because they don't want to pay an absurd amount and it's companies. Big, all the way down to the mom and pop. And it's just like, it makes sense. Like, I, I get it why you would do that. But it's like, we have to actually look at lowering our corporate income tax slowly over time at the same time as lowering our personal income tax. Like you said, finding money within our own budgets right now to sustain the things that we have, not adding more to it, unfortunately. And get to a point where we start to revamp our economy where we're actually bringing in businesses and people are looking at our province going, oh, this is a good place to set up shop. Instead of right now what's happening where I know three businesses just in my network who've all moved their businesses out, one to, um, to Ireland, one to Wyoming in the States, and then another one they haven't decided. So it's like that's money directly coming out. And then what do you have to do? You have to raise personal income tax because
0: the people haven't left yet. hmm and that's how you fund your programs, yeah. And this is where I get frustrated because the TikTok we watched at the top of this was this individual. He did one wait, a couple of years back, and he talked about how if you move to Nova Scotia from Ontario and you haven't changed your address in terms of you your 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 taxes and stuff like that, you're a parasite. You're a parasite if you want to pay less taxes and i'm like i get where that idea comes from it's so like if you live in the place and you don't pay the taxes there i get i understand but why are you going to villainize people who are just trying to live their life and trying to at least keep a little bit extra at the end of the day because so much gets taken from them why would you try to encourage that government so that's why i get annoyed by too because like to be called called out by these liberals as like parasites or whatever ridiculous names that they want to throw out i just I'm like you have to see the humanity of like why Why? Why do you think taxing is the option? Why do you think it's the only option? And what can be done better rather than just name calling? Yeah. And I think for me personally, like my thought has always been I don't think, like, I don't like
3: paying more tax, but I think I'd like it a little bit more if there was transparency and if I felt the money was being well spent. That's the part for me that I think that is so infuriating is when I look at this and say, why did $500 million just evaporate? to a vaccine company in Asia and nobody's talking about that. It's just kind of like, nope, sorry, that's closed. So when I look at the misuse of the funds that are being taken from me, that's where I go, I could probably have that money back in my account, put it into local nonprofits, put it into charities, put it into my own community through buying local products and do so much more with that than whatever you're doing, where you're sending it elsewhere. And so that to me is like the crux of it. It's like, I wouldn't mind paying more tax if it was transparent and if it was well
0: spent. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> no, it's so more so like I, I, I agree with that to the point of like, yeah, I would love the transparency. Um, I'd love to know where the money's going. I'm not going to be happy to pay more tax ever. Um, but I will be happy to know the transparency and get transparency. And be Like, okay is the money that we are currently giving you enough to get X, Y, and Z things? If not, then I'm open to paying more tax if it means that those things will be done and done properly. So again, we are sort of in the right spot, but I'm definitely more the realm of like, take... When I learned this fact about the the Revolutionary War, I was just like, dang, bro, we we are so far gone as as a country. Um take my income tax down to 3% and see what we can do with it. I want to see how this goes and then we build up from there. I love the fact that a whole revolution was created over paying 3% tax on tea. Um yet I'm curious what the founders of America would say when they see how much people pay in taxes these days. Yeah. Really interesting to me. See, like I don't even understand like why couldn't we just bring
3: our province like when you look at the personal income tax Alberta's 10% on the first $150,000. Mm. Like, awesome. That's that's great. Like, I'm not making near that right now, but like maybe someday I have the hope to. Um, but then when you look at like Nova Scotia, you're going to be taxed out the butt if you make anywhere close to $150,000. So then what do you do? You go, how do I move this money around so that I don't pay out the butt for taxes and
0: anybody who's got a head on their shoulders is going to be saying the same thing absolutely anyone who listens to the show we all know you're smart people Um, yeah y'all are probably having the same conversation right now and I'd be curious to hear more from you on that Um, but we're going to end that conversation there we're going to end on a a brighter note a lighter note Charlotte the Stingray yes (laughs) tell me about this why did this kind of catch your eye there sir so Charlotte
3: the Stingray was in a aquarium with only sharks. She's one male, or sorry, one female stingray, only male sharks around, no other stingrays, and she's pregante. Oh, wow. (laughs) And they're like, are we going to have stingray Jesus, where it's an immaculate conception, or are we going to have little shark rays running around? Interesting. Because those species should not be able to reproduce together. So they're like... What what's going on? So the scientific community right now is like completely divided. And then the public is just like team team shark rays or team immaculate conception, yeah. <laughs> stingray Jesus. Wow. And so it's like, I've been following it every single day now. Every and like, day, oh yeah, she... just like, what's the update with Charlotte? Has she had her babies yet? That's incredible. <laughs> and so it's funny because there's so many of my friends too are just like,
0: did you see Charlotte's feed today? And I was like, oh yeah, I looked at it. <laughs> Wow, that's actually really interesting how that happened. Uh yeah, I'll be interested too. I'll be tuning in. Yeah, well, it's
3: it's one of those things. It's like immaculate conception doesn't really happen with stingrays. Like mm-hmm. some species do that, um, where it's just basically a clone of themselves. But this is not a species that does that. So if it did, that's like weird, weird and kind of like revolutionary. And but then if you had interspecies creating a brand new species altogether. That's also really cool. It's so <laughs> Terrifying. Shark rays? Shark That'd rays. That would be
0: crazy, dude.
3: Steve Irwin's rolling in his grave right now.
0: <laughs> it's okay to pass away. Oh, gee. From a stingray. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. Gee, that's wild. From um, a shark ray, I should say. For a shark ray. That's crazy. I, uh, I would not want to face one of those in the ocean. That's psychotic. Well, I, got, I brought mine to the table, my wild card segment. And this one killed me. I, I've, some people know H3 podcast. I followed them at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, Frenemies was a hilarious show uh, with Trisha Paytas and Ethan Klein. And then they they had a whole falling out, show ended, um, and things were wild. So anyways, we all know Jesse Lee Peterson Amazing. is making his rounds on social media these days and going to all the different podcasts. And H3 had him on. And... Let's just say Jesse Lee Peterson really messed with Ethan's head. Didn't know what he was doing. And this was comical.
1: So how are we doing? How are we doing? Are, you, oh, are well. you doing your show right now? are you just calling it to ours? No, I'm, I'm just on yours. I, yeah. My show is in the mornings. Uh, okay. We're live, so you it's, okay. it's what it is. But you're a radio man. You know about live broadcast.
2: Are we on right now? Yes, we are. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Yeah. So, uh, thanks for calling. I've been a, a somewhat, you might say a fan. Um, I, I love the way you interview people, although I'll be upfront with you. I'm a lib, and you might call me a beta male.
0: Oh, hey, a beta?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so...
0: How, how is Moses doing?
1: Are you, are you, that's like, I don't know which way to take that. Wow. You mean like Moses the prophet, or like Moses my brother-in-law? Moses your brother-in-law. How do you know Moses? Why would you even ask that? Everybody know Moses. What? You, Even God knows Moses. Wait, why did you ask me that? Because I just wonder how you're doing. I haven't seen him in a minute. Wait, stop. Why did, why did you ask me, how's Moses? Because I haven't seen him in a minute. So you've seen Moses? Oh,
2: yeah. What Everybody knows Moses.
1: Are you, so you're talking about the prophet?
2: No, I'm talking about your brother-in-law. Okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You've already got me all twisted up. This is what I'm saying. You've got this interview skills that just, you've already got me um, discarded.
5: <laughs> and all right, why Jesse. Why is
1: that? Why, why are you just got about asking how you're doing? You don't know my brother in law. Well, how would I know to ask him about him then? <laughs> but, that, but then, how do you know him? He got married, right? Oh, stop it. <laughs> I know what's going who, on. Who did he get married to? Some crazy woman. <laughs> I was surprised that Moses married him. He seemed to have more common sense than that. So I don't know what's happening. I don't know if the if there's a producer that knows all this stuff that's feeding you lines. How do you? How did you meet Moses? Um, He came to my office (laughs) to do what? I can't tell you all that. Oh,
0: (laughs) he was here for a meeting. Okay, all right, all right. Isn't
1: that amazing?
0: It's amazing. <laughs> so anyways, um, those who don't know, um, Ethan, is his wife is really what happened here. Ethan's wife's brother, his brother-in-law, married Trisha Paytas, um, who was the person who had a whole falling out with him on the podcast, and they were at each other's throats. Uh, so he just like was just trolling on the whole time, and it cracked me <laughs> <laughs> that Ethan just didn't know what to do, uh, didn't know how to handle the situation, and it was amazing. Yeah. He called me Amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. So that, that was a key. Uh, alleviated my uh, mood this week. It was fantastic. And uh, oh, baby. We started the podcast on fire. We're going to end it chilling out. Sounds good. I love that you love to see somebody just
3: squirm. Like that's your favorite thing. Dude, I love <laughs> it.
0: Because I, it happens to me all the time. Like I would hate to be in that situation. But like at the same time, I don't know why he's freaking out. How do you know my brother? Like, yeah. why is he so mad about it?
3: That was that was really weird. Cause then it was like, well, what's the story now? No, <laughs> like, yeah, seriously, you made it into something so much worse than it could have been. I don't know. I look at it and I'm like, I'm watching his like embarrassment and then discomfort, and like I'm feeling that. That's why I can't watch The Office. Jen loves The Office. I can't watch because I'm just like, <laughs> I feel it. I feel it in my body. I'm like, nope. <laughs> and that poor guy. He was just like. He didn't know how to recover.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Wait, how do you know? Oh, you don't know my brother. Well, he, uh, how would I know? I'm about to ask about him then. Oh, he's we jumping. Well, whatever it is you're doing, we enjoyed you having you all on. You guys are awesome. This was a wild show. Happy to have you back. But whatever it is you're doing, whether you be going skating. Sending me get well things, which I really appreciate. Or... Trying to play a sport and trying to learn how to skate at the same time, a la hockey. Whatever it is you're doing, wherever you are, we love you. We're out. Peace.